0: Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samha sambudasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samha sambudasa Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambudasa Bhuttang Dhammang Sangam Namasami Contemplating the Dhamma and seeing what does it feel like to spend several hours a day sitting in silence just to notice how much that adds to our sense of well-being to our sense of centeredness and our ability to face whatever we have to face i want to dedicate our practice to all beings facing illness and death, struggling with life situations that are overwhelming, struggling with loneliness, with abandonment, with betrayal, with the insecurity of not having work, and so many things that people are suffering with. And we're looking for the way out of the suffering The physical suffering is the kama of being in the human realm. It's a mixed situation. There's both suffering and there's the ending of it. When there's happiness and there's the ending of that too. But one thing that we can take note of from our practice is whatever conditions we're in, If we don't add the mental component of suffering on top of what we're experiencing, then we can bear it. We can go through it. And if we do add that on, then we have double the load. It seems to compound the pangs, the weight, the pressure, the heat the disturbance, the distress. The same is true with happiness. If we look for happiness outside of ourselves and we find it, it's very difficult to sustain that. We can't control it. It's bound to end. And we run after it in vain. It's futile. But if we can find happiness within ourselves, that is something that we can sustain and develop and cultivate and refine so that it would lead us to an inner peace, an inner fulfillment that the world will never offer us. But don't believe me Just find out, each of us finds that out for ourselves. One of the most supportive things for this path of finding out for ourselves is spiritual friendship. I wanted to share with you a lovely little sutta on that topic. It's not quite on that topic, but I'm going to use this metaphor. We started this retreat a few nights ago talking about trees and the felling of a tree here on our property, which, by the way, is now lying in many little logs around its giant stump, which we are making into a shrine. So the tree was a very tall shrine, and this will be much more minuscule. But nevertheless, we make it into a holy spot. So, this is from the Anguttara Nikaya, the Numerical Discourses, and it's the Book of Fours, number 109. And it's called Trees. Monks, there are these four kinds of trees. What four? There are trees made of soft wood surrounded by soft wood. There are trees made of soft wood surrounded by hardwood. There are trees made of hard wood surrounded by soft wood, and there are trees made of hard wood surrounded by hardwood. These are the four kinds of trees, so too, there are these four kinds of persons, similar to trees existing in the world, what for? There is one made of softwood who is surrounded by softwood, the one made of softwood who is surrounded by hardwood, the one made of hardwood who is surrounded by softwood, and the one made of hardwood who is surrounded by hardwood. What does the Buddha mean? And how, monks, is a person made of softwood and surrounded by softwood? Here, someone is immoral, of bad character, and his friends or her friends are also immoral, of bad character. It is in this way that a person is made of softwood and surrounded by softwood, that is, Acquaintances or friends of bad character. So I say, this person is just like a tree made of softwood and surrounded by softwood. And how is a person made of softwood but surrounded by hardwood? Here, someone is immoral of bad character, but his friends are virtuous of good character. It is in this way that a person is made of softwood, but surrounded by hardwood. So I say, this person is just like a tree made of softwood, but surrounded by hardwood. And how is a person made of hardwood, but surrounded by softwood? Well, now you can guess. Here, someone is virtuous of good character but his friends or her friends are immoral of bad character so i say this person is just like a tree made of hardwood but surrounded by softwood and the fourth category we can all guess how is a person made of hardwood and surrounded by hardwood. Here someone is virtuous of good character and his or her friends are also virtuous of good character. It is in this way that a person is made of hardwood and surrounded by hardwood. So I say this person is just like a tree made of hardwood and surrounded by hardwood these monks are the four kinds of persons similar to trees found existing in the world. I found this to be a very beautiful reflection for us, especially because we're on the path of purification. And the path of purification requires a a rather high standard Of morality. A flippant standard, a by the by standard, is not going to work in this Dhamma and discipline. And the reason is because if we are soft in our moral practices, speech, action, and even thoughts, then it will be very difficult for us to overcome the hindrances. If we're not able to overcome the hindrances in the mind, then it will be impossible for us to really purify our conduct and speech because they are influenced by what we think. And the same is true if we do purify our minds. And do overcome the hindrances, then it will be impossible for us not to uphold a high standard of moral conduct in speech and action because our minds will become so pure. Even if we are pure in our practice ethically, by speech and by conduct, and our thoughts are pure, if we surround ourselves with friends, who do not live according to moral ways, who do not uphold ethical ways, who do not believe in the importance of virtue and following virtue, then we will be influenced by them, little by little, and our own morality will deteriorate. So then the hardwood would become softwood, because It's surrounded by soft wood. And we can notice that when the mind is agitated by anger or by ill will towards anyone, including ourselves, it becomes very difficult for us to practice. We can be surrounded even by good and wholesome friends and they would help us. They would help us guard our mindfulness if we lose it. They would help us correct our speech if we use difficult or unfriendly words. They will tell us, that didn't feel so good. Try better. They will help us try better, harder. Or if they see us going in ways that they know harm us or someone else, They will say, this is what good friends do. Moral friends, virtuous friends, kind friends will do this for us. Spiritual friends, especially. But even in our own minds, if we harbor thoughts that are not wholesome, that are leaning towards that which can cause harm or are critical of other people, then we will attract. To us, not people of hardwood, but people of softwood, friends of bad character, so we have to be so diligent and scrupulous on these three levels of virtue, our discernment, and as also those are the two ends of cultivating the path we have to take care with where our minds are abiding if our minds are full of ill will and fear if we easily go to these devastating mind states then our energy will dissipate and we will suffer unnecessarily and we will easily lose the way that's Maybe not the fault of our friends, but that is because we're not keeping the company of the Buddha. Who is our best spiritual friend? Our best friend is the Buddha, is the teacher, is our ability to give the teaching life, moment by moment, day by day even in how we think. So when our thoughts are unruly and out of control, when we're ruled by restlessness or a lot of tiredness, when the hindrances are holding rain over the mind, we have to act as if we're in a state of emergency and pick up that which will bring us close to the Dhamma. Read the scriptures, read suttas, read and listen to Dhamma talks. Read and listen and surround ourselves with advice that takes us back to a a way of centering and holding the truth so that the light that we want to shine in all directions, the hardwood within us, can be nourished and strengthened And we surround ourselves with good friends, friends of good character, who are devoted to what we love the most, to what we cherish the most, what supports us the most on this path. And that, of course, takes a lot of effort. We have to make wise choices. This path... If we follow it in these ways, if we develop virtue, cultivation of meditation, cultivating the purification of the mind on this deep, deep level, keeping precepts are the foundation, but then on top of that, we have to add in the development of the five faculties. And we surround ourselves with spiritual friends, with Sangha, with community. We seek out that good company and we allow these friends to be like mirrors for us so that the light within us keeps shining, so that the the Dhamma light is illuminated little by little. Now, there are eight limbs to the Noble Eightfold Path, but those limbs Are not noble unless they are right. So, right view, right intention, or right resolve, which means a right way of thinking. And this is ethically bound, but it's also bound by the ability to bring in discernment so that we see what is impermanent as impermanent. We have to develop right view. We see that which is suffering as suffering. We see that which is transient, ephemeral, as transient, ephemeral, out of our control. We see that which is empty. We see the, the truth of all conditioned phenomena as empty of anything solid. So this continues to inform our consciousness. And it influences our ability to practice right speech, right action, right livelihood, how we spend our time. And with those in place, we develop the wisdom aspect through right effort, right mindfulness, and right one pointedness of mind, bringing the mind to unification. To one point, to stilling, to silence, to stopping, to samadhi. Now, all of these are mundane, but they're right. They're right while we're doing them. But if the three components of virtue and cultivation of the path and the discernment do not accompany each of those eight limbs, then they fall apart. For example, we might have right view, but if we're not seeing clearly, then the right view becomes wrong view. We might have right view, but if our virtue is not intact, then we're practicing wrong view. We might have right view, but our cultivation is not developing, then we don't have right view. So whenever we abandon right speech, right action, right livelihood, not keeping precepts intact, whenever our discernment is somehow blinded, clouded, by the voice of a not-wise friend, whenever our cultivation of the path is failing, oh, well, I don't need to practice, I have other things to do, then we endanger the development of the right view. And if we're able to sustain right view, if we sustain right intention, if we sustain right speech, if we sustain right action, if we sustain right livelihood, which is not harming anyone intentionally and living according to the precepts, and with wisdom. If we cultivate the path with right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, we transform this development of the path into a transcendent path. Once we enter into the stream of transcendence, those eight limbs of the path are always transcendent. That means we will always Sustain right view. We won't be doing it sometimes, and sometimes we forget. We won't be losing track of our right intention. We'll always be directing our lives towards awakening. We won't go off in spurious ways. We won't use. Wrong speech intentionally. We will be in the stream of the noble ones. So we turn these limbs of the path to transcendence. That is the development of enlightenment. Enlightenment doesn't happen only through meditation. The four stages of enlightenment happen through a consistent, constant, focus of the four establishments or four focuses of mindfulness using the eight limbs of the path in their most consistent transcendent way to perfect them and it's good to remember these things because we we do we work very hard but at some point we get influenced by unwholesome friends unwholesome currents unwholesome habits and then we lose a little bit of ground but if we remain consistent more and more it is possible it is totally within our potential it is our right inheritance to develop this path to its fulfillment so We need just to realize how many aspects of this path there are to develop and how difficult it is to balance them while living in this world where there are so many people who seem determined to practice wrong view, wrong intention, wrong speech, wrong action, and so forth. Therefore, to protect these three qualities of virtue, dedication to practice, of mental purification, and cultivating and nurturing the wisdom faculty, so that when we discern, when we really notice, or we have this intuition, this isn't good for me, I should stop, that we listen to that. Because intuitively, we feel things. But through our habits and through outside influences, it's very easy for us to be waylaid. And we might think it's not important, but it can have a damaging effect. Just spending time with people that don't respect what we're doing can take away some of our precious energy. That's why I became a nun. I found it too difficult to do this practice in the world. And this was what I cherished the most. So I would like to invite you all (laughs) to become monastics. But essentially, what we have to do is shave our hearts. You shave your head, and the hair keeps growing back. It's the kilesas, they keep growing back. We have to keep shaving, day by day, shaving, shaving, clearing, clearing, doing the laundry, chopping wood, doing the laundry every single day. But how do we do that? We do it with gentleness. We do it with gratitude. We do it with loving kindness. We do it with compassion. We do it with joy because we're able to do this. But there's a lot that we have to give up. If we don't give up the bad habits, they will continue to, little by little, degrade us. Just like the things that we own, we think they're going to last forever, but they degrade. And so the bad habits do that with our mental stamina. And we need all the stamina we can gather together. That's why it's called hardwood. Hardwood. The hardwood with hardwood in it. The wood of the heart. Not to make the heart wooden, but to make it so that it can be burned. We want to burn up the wood. And if it's really hardwood, it will burn for a long time. Hardwood, we live in the country, hardwood is the most prized wood. People like to have hardwood in their stoves because it lasts a long time and it gives a wonderful fire. You do need kindling. Softwood is good for kindling. So we treasure all beings, but for our spiritual companions, we choose people who are like hardwoods. They're going to last. They're not going to abandon us because we're following a spiritual path. They're going to want to support that. If we surround ourselves with friends like that, we will more and more be able to be friends of the Buddha. Not just friends of the Buddha, but sons and daughters of the Buddha, following in his footsteps. That's why I dress up like the Buddha. You wing it until you can fly. You you just try with whatever you have. And so dressing up like the Buddha makes me remember every day. This is what the Buddha wore. This is how the Buddha dressed. This is how the Buddha ate. This is how the Buddha practiced. And this helps our minds be influenced towards renunciation towards contentment with little, towards being energetic, not being lazy, towards being mindful, towards being wise and attentive, towards surrounding ourselves with good spiritual friends, towards helping others and not thinking only of ourselves, and towards giving up our kilesas by filling our minds With thoughts of loving kindness, compassion, joy, gratitude, and equanimity. And when it's really hard, we don't slash and burn, but we try to illuminate the mind by creating good kama. I'm not gonna follow the old kama anymore and be dragged down by it. But I'm going to nurture good kamas, doing good wherever I can, in the best way that I can. And when we fall down, we come back to supporting. Right view, right resolve, right action. Repetition is so helpful. Why do we repeat? Because we don't get the message right away. We keep repeating over and over. We keep watching the breath over and over. And eventually, the mind knows where its true home is. When we follow the Buddha's instruction, the taste of the Dhamma is always the best. The other way that we can maybe more easily meet the hindrances in the mind is by knowing them for what they are and this is the transcendent way then the kilesas will just appear to us like intruders we don't tolerate them very well we're weary of them and when we have that nibida we discard them we're disenchanted with them they no longer fascinate us so we have to almost smoke them out but when right view is more fully developed and the virtue is intact and the purification of mind is developing momentum then with the wisdom sword we cut just like a director cuts the film so we see the mind is going to an inferior abiding we cut And we uplift it like the Buddha touching the earth. Take our rightful place, take the authority to sit still and chase these bad habits out. You wouldn't let a thief into your house if you could prevent it. Lock all the doors, use the Dhamma to fill up the mind so there's no space for anything else. It takes great compassion. Bottom line, it's the most difficult thing a human being can do. But that's what we're here for. We're here to do this. And we will do it. We can do it. If we surround ourselves with hardwood, then we will be that enduring type of tree that can burn a beautiful flame, the flame of truth, when it is burned. Because all of us will someday perish, the body will perish, but the mind, when we perish, may the mind be radiant with the Dhamma.